Hello and welcome to this podcast series of the first 50 years of the history of the American Republic. I'm Chris McKenna and I'm here with my co-host Kathy Conroy. Hi Chris. In this podcast we're going to talk about Jefferson's second term in office. During his second term in April of 1806, Great Britain and France are deep into their war. Napoleon of France is attempting to isolate Great Britain from all trade with the world, and in return, Great Britain has set up a naval blockade into Europe. Also, at this point in time, the Royal Navy of Great Britain has gotten much more aggressive in pressing British subjects into service on their ships and finding any deserters. Part of their aggressive actions was to board American ships and often seize the ship and both American and British sailors, claiming all the sailors to be British dissenters. So at this point, the British were just ignoring the Jay Treaty, which was signed during the Washington administration. Jefferson does not want to get into a war with Great Britain. Ideally, Jefferson, like Washington, wants to remain neutral in this conflict. So he sends two delegates to Great Britain to try to work something out. The delegates negotiate a treaty, but it has no guarantees that Britain will stop harassing American ships. Jefferson doesn't like the treaty. He refuses to endorse it, and the Senate refuses to ratify it. So the United States is basically back to square one with Great Britain. Well, and at the same time, on the home front, The Constitution prohibits the importation of slaves after the year of 1808. In 1806, South Carolina reopens their slave trade with other nations. Jefferson, in his annual address to Congress, calls for the immediate criminalization of the slave trade internationally. In early 1807, at his urging, Congress passes the Act Prohibiting the Importation of Slaves, effectively enforcing the Constitution and prohibiting international slave trade involving anybody in America. Now, in June of 1807, a British warship attacks an American ship off the coast of Virginia as the American ship refused to let the British captain board to search for British deserters. The British captain forces a boarding which results in three Americans getting killed and a number getting wounded, and then removes several alleged deserters from the ship. Americans are outraged when they hear about this, and Jefferson calls an emergency cabinet meeting. Although a certain percentage of Americans want to go to war with Great Britain, the administration decides to close all U.S. ports to all British ships. Toward the end of 1807, Jefferson gets word that Napoleon of France is going to extend the blockade he has in Europe to the United States and will seize American ships. In December of 1807, Congress passes both the Non-Importation Act and the Embargo Act. The Non-Importation Act forbids the import of British goods to America. The Embargo Act prohibits U.S. ships from trading in any foreign port, not just Britain. As a result, U.S. ships could only trade among U.S. cities. Many Americans are opposed to the Embargo Act, especially those in the minority Federalist Party, 
and the act absolutely crushes the American economy, from the merchants in the northern states to the farmers in the southern states. The U.S. economy tanks, unemployment increases, and membership in the Federalist Party is increasing. The impact of the Embargo Act is so devastating, Chris, that it's repealed 15 months later, just before Jefferson leaves office, and is replaced with the Non-Intercourse Act of 1809, which only restricts the U.S. trading with Britain and France, who are still at war with one another. In November of 1808, James Madison is elected the fourth president of the United States and will take office in March of 1809. Clearly, Madison will inherit a weakened economy, the challenge of the British and the French conflict, and Britain's increasing aggressive actions towards the United States. After the inauguration of Madison as president, Jefferson retires from public service. He returns to Monticello, his home and farm, and never leaves Virginia again. Jefferson and Adams were close friends for years, but the two had a falling out with each other around the time of the Adams presidency. Jefferson was upset with Adams' Alien and Sedition Acts as he saw them exceeding the powers of the Constitution, and he was upset with Adams' midnight court packing scheme during the final days of his term as president. Adams was upset with Jefferson over some slanderous campaign material printed about him through the reported backdoor workings of Jefferson. When Jefferson's daughter died in childbirth during his first term as president, Abigail Adams wrote a note of condolence to Jefferson. She had known his daughter from the time Adams and Jefferson had spent in Europe holding political offices. Jefferson returned the correspondence and a few more letters were exchanged. And their correspondence eventually petered out, though. Adams broke the many years of silence by writing a note to Jefferson on New Year's Day, 1812, wishing him many happy New Year's to come. Jefferson wrote back, and the two began corresponding again on a regular basis in their retirement years, exchanging over 100 letters between 1812 and 1826. In one of the letters, Adams writes to Jefferson, quote, you and I ought not to die before we have explained ourselves to each other, unquote. Even more interesting is that Jefferson and Adams die at their homes on the same day, July 4th, 1826, 50 years after the publication of the Declaration of Independence. Adams is 90 years old and Jefferson is 83. And now for some fun final facts about Thomas Jefferson. Since he was a widower, Chris, the hostess duties at the White House for receptions and dinners were handled by a combination of his two married daughters and Dolly Madison, the wife of James Madison. Jefferson also liked to dress very casually at the White House and for dinners. One of Jefferson's two married daughters dies in childbirth toward the end of his first term, leaving Patsy as his most well-known daughter who was actively involved in Jefferson's life, including his retirement years at Monticello. While Jefferson was an exceptional writer, he didn't like giving speeches and actually gave very few of them. Jefferson also brought the concept of ice cream from France to the United States, and he tried to establish a winemaking region in Virginia, 
And although he failed due at that time to certain diseases affecting the vines, today Virginia has established itself as a reputable wine region. He also popularized tomatoes, which at the time many thought were poisonous. He was also president of the American Philosophical Society and a multilingual architect. He wrote the statue in Virginia for religious freedom, Chris, and he also founded the University of Virginia. And he was a well-known mathematician. Jefferson was buried at Monticello, the home he designed, and he wrote his own epitaph. Here was buried Thomas Jefferson, author of the Declaration of American Independence, of the Statute of Virginia for Religious Freedom, and father of the University of Virginia. And in our next podcast, Chris, we're going to talk about the presidency of James Madison.